0: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: This
3: is a Lip Media Podcast.
1: We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Revolting, a dissection of social and cultural issues relevant to gay men. We put the G in
4: LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And for those
5: that missed it last week, this is our third to last episode. What? Oh Oh my God. What does that mean? It means this one and two more and then we're finished for now. Just like
4: coronavirus is here for now.
6: (laughs) It was a bit of a shock, but um, it was really lovely seeing everyone in our group, which we're keeping open. Uh, the Facebook group responding to it and sending lovely messages. We got but, the nicest right. messages
4: from people. Thank you so much for the we love really you all. cool stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. I reckon,
6: <laughs> like honestly, I'd like to thank them because I mm, think yeah. from from where we started, we like I'm speaking for myself here, but we I've learned a lot from talking to them and listening to them and reading their messages. Yeah, it's not like we started the show and we we're like, oh my god, we fully know. Everything oh, about God, no. <laughs> all the things. <laughs> Do you I know what know I mean? Nothing. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. No, we yeah. learned from people listening to our show and, and sharing their viewpoints with us. And, and I, I don't think any of the four of us are the same no, uh, absolutely. little that we were. <laughs> I just quickly wanted to mention for people in Victoria that the government's extending mental health support. Mm. We've only got a few episodes left. So I thought I'd get it in there. It should be going live by the time this episode. Heirs. Mm. If you've used all of your 10 uh, Medicare rebatable sessions for 2020, they're extending it and allowing you to get a further
1: 10. Um, for but- anyone not in Australia that's not aware, of course, Victoria has gone to stage four lockdown, which means we've closed all retail stores. Um, you're not allowed further than five kilometres ha- from your house. You're only allowed out of the house for one hour a day. Yeah. We've got a curfew. You have to be home. Oh, yeah, one PM person out at a time for been, shopping. Like, yeah, yeah. So pretty much the, some of the strictest rules in the world at the moment. Um, so obviously there are some pretty heavy consequences on the old mental health with that. Mm. So that's that's coming to play since the last episode. How have you guys handled that? In a sense, it's harder, but it's also
5: easier, I think, because we've been through some form of lockdown and we've hmm. been in stage three for like the last few weeks that it was, I guess everyone sort of expected it to get to stage four, just because our numbers weren't very great. But yeah, I think this time around, I'm definitely more prepared for it. And I know what to expect mentally for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I got a really good call today from the school that I've been enrolled in. We're doing everything online. So I'll still be able to continue with school, which is good.
4: Oh, great. I found it to be kind of the complete opposite of that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I started off really well and it was really good. And then I guess it's been affecting me in ways that I haven't really noticed. And then I've just found myself like lashing out at all my loved ones and yeah. being very like angry all the time. And I just like find myself like heavy breathing in the middle of the night. And like, it's just, it's, I Money. yeah it's weird. I haven't really experienced stuff like this before, and i I kind of thought I was immune and like now it's kind of like yeah. yeah so i have I've been having a few up and down days lately over the past week or two, mm. like there's no assurance there's nothing to look forward to.
1: Yeah, for people in Melbourne, it's sort of like we went through that first lockdown with the rest of Australia and then we went back into lockdown and now we've gone in by ourselves and now we've gone into even stricter lockdown. Yeah, and I think the first time around we were like, yep, cool, 12 weeks, we can do this. Let's get through it. The whole country's in it together. And now we're sitting at home watching Insta stories of people at Mary's Poppin in Adelaide or Fluffy up in Brisbane. And I mean, I'd be going out too if I could, but it is really hard to sort of be here in this indefinite kind of thing, like we're now in lockdown till the 13th of September, but who knows now? Once you've gone back into it once, it's hard to sort of think that that's it. We're constantly wondering, will there be longer? I yeah. I went out for my walk this morning. So today's the first day of, today being Thursday that we're recording, is the first day since the really strict rules came in and I went out for my morning walk this morning and I was walking around the carton gardens and it was just empty and I was just thinking about like all the stuff I usually would do in Melbourne and why I live so close to the city is because I love the bars and the theatres and the clubs and all that sort of stuff and it was just like burst into tears in the middle of the garden. Thank God I had my Mm. face mask on so that people couldn't like see me blubbering (laughs) As I was like walking home but it's just yeah, yeah I think you're right Kyle you, you sort of think I'm a strong person I've been through shit yeah. I can get through this it's just locking yourself up in a house but it's actually a lot more than that so yeah great that you have brought that up Luke mm. um, something that people definitely should reach yeah. out and, and access yeah
6: I really recommend it I know from my work that people have been sort of rationing their appointments with mental health professionals because they knew financially they could only afford the 10 mm-hmm. uh, which has a really negative effect if you start if you really need that uh support but you know oh i've only got 3 sessions left for the year i need to make them last so if you are in that group uh, myself included where you're sort of counting how many sessions you have left it is a bit of a relief i think 20 a year should be the standard it shouldn't just be yeah. because of this epidemic Mm. and yeah in terms of round two you could call me lincoln park because i feel numb Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you remember being a teenager and listening to lincoln that was the the best but i think like (laughs) losing my mom uh and not being able to access some of the support Mm. i typically would and then seeing the kind of dissonance of stores closing and and people disappearing from your physical world on a day-to-day basis has been a bit scary. But, you know, the positive is that we have a lot of supportive online communities. Um, We still have the technology to connect with each other. And Mm. we got three more episodes of this bitch to wrap up with. Uh, <laughs> yeah you know, we got a few episodes of this little piggy to get on the, <laughs> get on the spit but coming up later we've um got an amazing interview with a uh, naked man founder kurt mason who chats to us about uh nude camps and workshops and it's it's a little bit more than just talking about dicks and and you know, mm-hmm. it was a, a
1: surprising chat that Tom and I had. Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, conversation and it's a look at more about the psychology of um, the shame of being naked and uh, masturbation and that sort of stuff. So do have a listen to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
6: So first off, let's, let's talk about pronouns, baby. Mm-hmm. It's a little nerdy, this uh, topic, but I like nerdy kind of things. But in interesting news, the Australian government has issued and updated their internal style manual for the first time in – roughly two decades mm-hmm. now style manuals are not a netflix makeover show even though it sounds like <laughs> one <laughs> welcome to style Manual, yeah. carson Kressley. Oh, they're dude. sort of <laughs> like you know when you have a work and uh, you start a job and they give you a thing that says we say things this way and this is the the tone we use and yeah. some of the biggest changes within this style mm-hmm. manual for the australian government so we're not talking you know the coffee shop down the road this is a big deal Is that it makes specific changes and suggestions around pronouns as well as cultural diversity, gender diversity and inclusivity towards uh, differently abled people. Mm. So it has recommendations such as to use gender neutral language, Mm. use preferred pronouns or in absence they, them, themselves, etc., The reason why we're sort of talking about it is from like the interviews we've had with George Fox Taylor and and Mm. what can seem to us as like small steps or like Mm. insignificant changes like a style manual, for example, are actually huge in terms of the public perception and uh, the expectation of how we treat each other, I think. Yeah. So it's actually really exciting in a normalisation of what mm.
1: should be there, I think. Well, I have to be honest, I am surprised that it's it's our current federal government that are doing mm-hmm. something like this. Um, but it's definitely a step in the right direction, I think. It's um, covering a lot of different bases as well. It's also looking at things like when talking about, you know, bushfires, not saying firemen, but um fire, mm. Oh, and yeah, and like
4: job like descriptions that. and stuff like that. Like Job descriptions men, so don't like, have to be... Yeah. Yeah. I've always tried to do that as well. Things like actors and stuff. when people say actress, like I never refer to female actors. I Like they're just actors. <laughs> like I don't say an actress or anything. So, yeah, I, I remember making that conscious decision a while ago. Mm. And, yeah, it's just little things like that that really do make a big difference to a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they're kind of signposting
6: to – especially in, in an environment such as the workplace where – You know, you never quite know what you're getting into when you start a new job, especially as someone in a minority group. Mm -hmm. Receiving something like a a style manual such as this is a real signpost that, hey, they've put some thought and consideration and this is potentially a safe space for me to be in. And the more we have those kind of normalized signposts for for gender diverse people as well as um, the LGBTQIA plus community, the more safe we feel to be ourselves. Um, to get that default, like, oh my God, could you imagine having the default existence? Like being a white, straight <laughs> cis man. Yeah. To be able to walk into any environment and be like, I'm okay in this yeah. room. Like, you know, that would be wonderful to experience that. And and things like these, as dorky as they are, mm. help move us towards that standard, I think. So it's really, I think positive news. Amongst a
1: a crater full of shit, which is the world. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And something that I've brought up a few times on the podcast since uh, the COVID 19 pandemic started and we started going into lockdown was the effects that it might have on STIs and new HIV cases and things like that. But it's sort of this kind of um, lockdown has never really happened in modern times since we've had the kind of testing that we have now. So I was very. Interested when a piece of research came out, generally promising, but of course, as these things always are with A curtail of caution as well, Uh, and it revealed that there's been an 84% drop in casual sex between gay, bi, and same-sex attracted men um, since the pandemic started. Now, this is a a survey of 940 people. Um, I believe that they are all New South Wales based. Okay, but what's really interesting about it is it's part of a a survey that already existed called the Flux Study. So they survey 3,000 men on a regular basis, and they've been doing that since 2014 about their sexual behaviours and their drug use and that sort of thing. So what's good about that is it's not people just sort of trying to guess their figures prior to COVID-19 it's it's that's already documented stuff that we're comparing Mm. it to now does that make sense it makes sense that
6: uh, people sort of move away or isolate that we would see reduced figures Mm. it's sort of on a tangent to this but something I, I, I did find really interesting is Seeing as someone who's recently not single, what's the w- other word? What's the other way of saying it? you're re- spoken for? <laughs> You've recently become <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> finally. gotten into a relationship. Yeah. You're talking about lockdown. Look at my love life. Hey, I did. <laughs> there's a real strong movement online of, of people sort of calling out and shaming men, specifically in Melbourne, who were still on apps, yeah, under the assumption that they're on the apps purely to have casual sex with people while we're in stage four lockdown. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't know what everyone's doing at every single moment of every day i wish i did but <laughs> i think some kindness is in is needed there because i think a lot of people genuinely are just u- still use it, utilizing the apps to connect with other gay men socially totally. and to paint with this broad brush that naughty naughty pu you, stinky mm. you're, <laughs> you're you know you're breaking the rules because you're on the app i think is yeah. a, a sort of myopic view um, yeah when studies like this show that STI transmission and, and that people are just generally having less mm. casual sexual encounters with one another
1: yeah because there are all sorts of other things that you can do from meeting people on Grindr yeah. as we talked about on, on this podcast um, Grindr had a whole campaign at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic saying that you know you could meet someone on Grindr and then take it online and you know go on cam and, and, and have fun on cam and that sort of stuff yeah. but, I
4: mean you can just have conversations with
1: people you don't also just yeah. have conversations that's fine as yeah. well yeah but there is has also been a bit of a thing um where people are sort of telling off friends and stuff for still going for hookups in in this stage of lockdown and quite frankly i agree with that like oh, yeah. not shaming them publicly no. but you know I, i've had a couple friends that have told me that they've done stuff and i've had to say to them look i actually don't want to know about it like yeah I, i'm really pissed off at you for doing this we're all being put out by this whole thing it's really fucked sorry you can't come on someone's face in person yeah, um, yeah. but I, I don't have a problem with telling friends off Absolutely, um, if they are still going for physical hookups now that we've gotten to this stage of lockdown I think what a really good like recommendation would have been is what
5: the Dutch government did they were telling everybody just like pick a hookup buddy and let you two just stick together <laughs> through the pandemic and then that way you can still have like I guess technically casual sex because it like is... how do they check that do you have like a printed out laminated card being like this is my <laughs> buddy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just oh, think don't, sexy. <laughs> uh,
6: don't be so quick to judge. Uh, like if yeah. you specifically know that someone is breaking, especially here in Melbourne, someone is breaking the current legislation by all means, I think now is the time to actually speak up and maybe previously you'd let that slide. But then mm. also, yeah, I think there's a huge demographic of gay men who are completely isolated and very easily could have been myself in this scenario where mm. I live by myself And uh, if I didn't have Glenn, Mm. one outlet I would probably use would be the apps to have conversations with people in my general. Yeah, which is totally fine. To say hey, we're both in Richmond. This sucks, doesn't it? You know, Mm -hmm. and and that would be one of the few channels I would have. And so let's not stigmatise
1: using your outlets if they're available. Mm. Yeah, God, if I was I'd totally be using grinders stuff and
4: talking to people.
1: So but, yeah, no. the exciting mm. thing is that they are now predicting that with, with this um, 85% of drop in casual hookups during the pandemic, mm. there should be a, a, a short-term at least reduction in uh, new cases of HIV and STIs. Um, but one thing that they did point out was that people will need to get screened before resuming previous behaviours to break the chains of transmission cycle so when when we do start coming out of lockdown as always as and it's always important to be getting regularly checked but go get another check and then go on out there and have lots of fun mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of course one of the other things yeah. that they pointed yeah. out though by the CEO of Thorn Harbour Health uh was that a lot of gay men have stopped taking PrEP as a preventative of um, new transmissions of HIV and that we really need to make sure we are, if we are going to be relying on PrEP to stop transmission, that we get back into that correct habit um, before resuming old behaviours as well, which is a really good point, you know, it did take a lot of us a long time to sort of get into that regular use and that sort of thing, so yeah Mm. just another thing to think about I guess. I
6: kept taking it just for something to do (laughs) (laughs)
4: Well, you know, it really must be the bloody apocalypse because <laughs> 2020 has given us giant hornets, fires in Australia, a global pandemic, and now it looks like the Ellen show is going up in flames as well.
5: Cancelled! <laughs> cancelled! It's on this cancelled culture thing.
4: So all this stuff's come to light. It's a, like a toxic workplace culture and all these uh, former employees are coming forward and just saying that she's a real nightmare to work with and it's just the Ellen show is just a horrible, horrible place. And then she issued a whole apology online saying that she didn't know, I think, and was just um, working towards becoming a better thing. And then hours after that, um, all these uh, sexual misconduct and harassment allegations came out against her head writer and also the second executive producer who has already been let go. So there's this whole investigation going under. So Mm. yeah, it's kind Mm. of blown up all over the internet and we think she might be dethroned after 17 years and she is in talks of stepping down from the show and kind of like giving way to James
1: Corden. Which, I mean, that's... I can't think of anything worse (laughs) than James (laughs) Corden. Well, it's yeah. actually
5: confirmed this morning that Ellen will be continuing on with the show. Okay. James Corden isn't taking over, but they're also speculating that she is waiting for the first episode back to address all
1: of this formally. Ooh, yeah. mm. She knows how to make television. That totally. She's even turning
4: this into a ratings blockbuster. There's yeah. no specific allegations of wrongdoing against Ellen herself, really. Like it's a few. It's a few people saying well, she doesn't really like talk to them and stuff, but it, it's more like all the management and all that kind of stuff like I think she's too disconnected well from... I think
1: there was definitely conversations that she was quite mean yeah. to staff in the eye and that sort yeah, of thing yeah. so yeah it's, it's important to make it very clear that Alan's not part of the sexual misconduct allegations although it is allegated. but it has like turned a blind eye and yeah, yeah. that she turned a blind eye Yeah, but there has been a lot of stuff said about her being a really nasty person yeah. now, and that's like not... that
4: the be kind mantra only kind of lasts while the cameras are rolling which is really reminiscent of RuPaul being like nothing really matters unless those cameras are rolling. It's it's such a sickly, nice daytime viewing kind of persona that she has. So to find out that she's kind of just the opposite, it's it's kind of really like hitting people. I mean, because I've been
5: like, rumours for years and years now that the show like behind the scenes isn't very nice but what really shocked me today is the old DJ, DJ Tony that used to be on the show, he was on it for like oh, know, it seven or eight yeah. years they had great banter on the show, they acted yeah. like they were really good friends Um, he came out today and tweeted pretty much in support of all the staff members that have come forward oh, and like wow. confirming that it was a really toxic work environment but not like saying names or anything but just like being <laughs> like I'm, I'm here with everyone, like I'm support you all and I was just like holy shit like if someone like that is coming mm. out like this must be true like
4: yeah and then I kind of thought it was kind of weird up until I think today or something that like a lot of celebrities like she's supposed to have all these like really high up celebrity friends but everyone's kind of been quite quiet for the most part I thought mm-hmm. and I was like maybe it just seems like a too much of a volatile kind of thing like so they're just staying away until the investigation's done because they don't want to get caught up in it but um, I think mm-hmm. today you were saying Mikey that there were some celebrities kind of tweeting support
5: well yeah so obviously Obviously, Katy Perry, dumb, like, stop it. We don't care. <laughs> Perry. Um, and then another one that I just watched recently, it was literally like an hour ago. It was posted. Kevin Hart oh. tweeted and he was like supporting Ellen and like, she's great. And then people were like hounding him. And so then Whoa. he put up the video being like 2020 is a mess and people just need to stop. Like, I can't believe this is happening. And it's like, mm. you may have had a great experience with her, like all these other celebrities that are just like, oh, I think she's a great person. She was great to me when I was there. And it's mm. like, it's not about you. This is about the staff that she works with every single day. They're the ones coming forward saying this. She, may be, she might be a great friend to you, and that's fantastic for you. Yeah. That's because you're also a
4: celebrity and a high-up person who is, like, in that same bubble as her. Exactly. I think there definitely have been a whole lot of little breadcrumbs along the way in re- like I think twenty nineteen, many like celebrities and people were divided about Ellen after like uh she was spotted spending time with George W. Bush. That was really yeah, funny. and she was oh, kind of trying right. yeah. to attempt to like rehabilitate the public image of him, and like mm-hmm. friendship was like yeah. supposed to be wholesome and all this crap. And-
1: also, that interview with Dakota Johnson.
5: Oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, that was such <laughs> the, an the Dakota Johnson interview, interview
1: is. So I can't Ugh. stand Ellen. I don't watch the show. I mean, I, I think this whole thing is heartbreaking because she was a, a, a gay icon. Mm. You know, she was one of the first people to come out publicly on television in such a big way. Yeah. But I mean, the show has, for me, been unwatchable for a very I'll long say. time. That's because I'm not a Southern American yes. white mother. <laughs> um, yeah. So I can't watch the show. But, I, but I, you know, clips pop up on Facebook and you watch those. And that interview she did with Dakota Johnson, if any oh. listeners haven't seen it, highly it, recommend Dakota Johnson the She's main... Clearly <laughs> Main actor in um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. There's clearly something backstage has happened. Whether she's seen her being rude to the staff, or she was rude to Dakota herself, or whatever, Dakota's just like not taking any no, anyone's shit. I'm surprised so they let it go to air. I, Ooh, I have no God. idea how it went to air. It must have been contractual or something yeah. like that. But yeah, that's definitely one of those those awkward. red cards. <laughs>
6: I think if God. if you were to look at this as any other workplace, so. Let's say a KFC, for example, because I'm (laughs) not hungry Jacks. (laughs) Because I'm thinking of KFC right now. Uh, If there were that many complaints about the workplace environment, so whether or not she actually partook in any of the things like harassment, Mm. a lot of the stuff that's been reported, uh, if an environment was so toxic, it is to bring it back to Drag Race, similar to like a group challenge where they say the the team captain has to go down for the ship, and there is some responsibility there. I think. Ellen will have a legacy for creating a, a, a certain brand of palatable mm. homosexuality that I've never been a fan of. Yeah, yeah. My mum loved Ellen. She so, loved yeah. watching the Ellen show because it was the homosexual that straight people could, uh, yeah. you know.
1: Remember that old weird thing she had for George Clooney? Like, we were supposed to believe that she was swooning over George Clooney. Oh, it's like, no, oh, you're a lesbian. <laughs> you married to Portia DeRosco. <laughs> You've got her in a cage somewhere at yeah. the back of your I feel like the thing that,
4: that, that people kind of um, believe that if you fit into the rainbow flag, you're kind of exempt from being an asshole. But I'm like, no, yeah. you can still be no, an no, asshole. No. Again, no. Or like anything, really.
6: Yeah, <laughs> I do also want to say that if you want to talk about a toxic environment, what about James Corden and cats? Because that scene was... Uh, i haven't watched it (laughs) (laughs) like burnt into my eyes (laughs) sorry to make light of that but uh you know part of me does sort of stand by the fact that we're no longer protecting our own um you know i think that's been an issue within the community for a while now is that Mm. it's still happening to an extent with RuPaul, i believe where Mm. actions and behaviors and values we wouldn't stand for in others, uh, sort of getting swept to the side yeah. because we do have this sense of we need to protect our community, especially someone with such a high visibility and and public sway as someone like Ellen or RuPaul. Mm. So I think there's some power in in the actual people, the oppressed people, the people making this shit happen, making the show happen, because it's also a reminder too that these shows don't exist purely because of an Allen or a RuPaul, that there are lots and lots of people and often minorities, people of color, uh, people in the lgbt community behind the scenes and get treated like shit yeah that's it that i'd even think something like this would not totally tank someone's career at this no. point a public shaming and fall from grace is just an opportunity for a book deal and another yeah yeah that's the way society works at the moment so i don't think it's the end of ellen no. by any means but it is a harsh a a strong message Mm. to other people in uh, especially people that are uh, allowing toxic workplaces to continue and people Mm, in positions of power that think I can turn a blind eye to certain things because it's not my responsibility I think the the amount of discussion it's creating is really important for us as people to see that yeah even um sorry Ellen
1: DeGeneres can can get I feel yeah. bad for Portia. Like, has anyone checked on oh my Portia? I know yeah. where's she been? <laughs> is she like in a... Britney I'm not entirely situation? sure that she hasn't been replaced by a robot. Yeah, yeah. Tootie is so good in Arrested Development. I love her. Yeah,
4: I've <laughs> he only recently got into
1: that. She's amazing in it. <laughs> this is really going to skew my view of Finding Nemo. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> no. The only thing I've ever liked her in, and now that's all going to be thinking about, is Dory being a complete bitch. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. the only thing I've ever
4: liked her in is Portia. <laughs> oh my well,
6: god!
5: The thing is, because like she's obviously <laughs> being like oh well i didn't know that this stuff was happening like it all happened behind my back which for me i think is absolute bullshit she is not only an executive producer she's there for every single meeting she would see how like her other staff members are being treated like uh, it just makes it really hard for me to believe that she's just like oh i had no idea like the money and the fame it gets yeah yeah that's it i'd know (laughs) <laughs> I know Kyle changed so much as yeah.
3: Have <laughs> catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello.
1: Now, tonight we're joined by founder of Naked Man, Kurt Mason. Uh, Naked Man is a community organisation creating fun and inclusive workshops, retreats and camps, all done in the nude. Uh, Kurt has worked, which sounds a lot like me working from home at the moment. Uh, <laughs> That's me right now, baby. <laughs> Kurt has worked in the field of mental health with training in gestalt uh, psychotherapy, sexology, body work and somatic sex education. I'm looking forward to finding out what a lot of that means and is passionate about the interplay within our bodies. Um, Kurt, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. You're, you describe your events as offering a space
6: for men to connect with themselves as well as develop a greater sense of freedom in their relationships and with the community. Other than being sexy and fun, what is the, your philosophy around uh, being naked and, and nudity?
7: Yeah. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, this is things that probably people have heard before, but there is something really interesting about when we remove our clothes, you know, our clothes act as such a boundary between us and the world, but they also, you know, they act as a bit of a painting. We kind of paint who we want to be perceived as and, as, and we sort of mm-hmm. show our styles and we show the tribes that we're connected to through our various things that we wear. And so when we remove that, it's quite a leveller. And nakedness for a lot of people is quite a sexualized space. You know, we're only really naked when we're about to have sex. You know when we're on our own and yeah. we're about to jump in the shower or it's quite a functional place and so but when tom's on a zoom phone call exactly <laughs> 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 um and so something happens where that sexualizing of nudity is present it's going to be there but mm. it can't sustain mm. itself over such extended periods of time you know so if if you're in a space for three hours, okay, there might be an immediate kind of arousal or like, oh yeah, there's guys in here naked. But then we start talking about stuff, and we start doing exercises, and we start doing like different practices. And before you know it, the sex light, you realize, oh okay, oh yeah, we're naked. That's right. Oh oh, you forget that the person's naked, and that mm. normalization of it starts to happen. And I think where it becomes quite powerful. Mm. That's fascinating.
1: So. Now I've seen uh, I've seen actually a lot of your events pop up on Facebook, especially for the camps, um, and I've done a little bit of reading about them, and uh, was reading that they're very professionally facilitated to ensure a safe, fun, and respectful environment to everyone. Obviously, you can't run them at the moment, so you're doing online workshops. But can you tell us a bit about the camps and how they would normally run? Yeah, yeah.
7: To me, it's really important to kind of create environments that are going to make people feel comfortable because when people step into my workshops they're so anxious you know oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. i'm a little anxious just hearing about it yeah. <laughs> I, mean, well, you know, I mean i run a workshop called mindful uh, mindful self-touch and you know guys come in they don't know what's gonna happen. You know is this a group orgy are we just gonna have this massive circle jerk you know and it's like so they come in with all this anxiety and then they get into the space and you know we've been about 10 or 15 minutes I've got them calmed down and, you know, they Mm. start to realise, oh, okay, no, this is a bit different. Oh, okay, no, I don't think this is what I thought it was going to be. You know, they get to see that there's something different going to happen. There's normally about four workshop spaces. So we've normally got about four workshops happening all at once Mm. and they are so varied. Like (laughs) they, they range from learning how to knit, becoming your erotic goddess or god, Amazing. Everything that we do, in every workshop that we do, we're trying to teach people how to navigate their bodies, how to find different things that their bodies can do, how to create contracts between each other so that you can be safe with each other. You can mm. navigate and negotiate kind of what's comfortable and what's not comfortable mm. in, a, in an environment that's fun. The camps are quite different than some of the other events that we run because – you're allowed to drink, you're allowed to, you know, party. It's a it's it's not a firm container like some of my other things that I run, like the retreats that I run and some of the other more extended things. The camps are a little bit more fun. You don't have to do the workshops. You can dip in and out. You can, you know, if you decide not to go, we have people that don't go to any workshops one year and then the next year they might go to one and then the next year they might do all of them. Yeah. In Melbourne we had a party on the Saturday night in Sydney we have like a cabaret acts and it's all very um uh, a bit more relaxed
6: yeah that sounds fun it's 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 a good mix of of different experiences for people to attend or to just fill up the vibe so that's like to me like Festivals as well is yeah. mm. you can choose what you engage in, or you can just be a part of the community there. So
7: that's right. It's very much a festival, but we can't call it that. Mm. <laughs> I have multiple times on this show. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is. It's, it's. It's exactly what we called it initially. We called it the Naked Man Festival, but it, um yeah, then we had to change it to Camp. Mm. But it's that's exactly what it is. It's. It's a festival with a load of really weird and wonderful, quite sexy, quite creative. Workshops, yeah. Amazing. So, it's it's probably
6: on a lot of our listeners' minds because it's hard not to think about uh, the issue of consent when you're talking about groups of naked people meeting. Now, one of your workshops is actually focused on finding and exploring those boundaries and agreements around consent specifically. What can people expect to to learn from that workshop, or what have you learned from your experience about consent?
7: I think, I think the biggest thing about consent and boundaries is that they're a, a felt sense. They're an experience that happens within the body. Mm. And it's our body that kind of gives us signals and lets us know when we're within our consent, when we're getting close to the edge of our boundary and when we've moved past it, the work is getting people to start listening to that. Yep. Uh, because we're very programmed to endure things. You know, from birth, we've been picked up, put down, pinched, kissed as children by mothers and aunts and uncles and siblings. And and so we've we've been very used to um, either not getting the touch that we want or enduring the touch that we don't want. And so it's very kind of programmed in us on a real cellular level. And so helping people to start to feel and actually feel what is a boundary, like feel it. We do lots of exercises where people get to physically have a sense of what it is in their body. And when they feel that, it is like an aha. It's like, oh, shit, I didn't know that, Mm. what that was, Mm. you know? And and it's things like that, just helping people to get a very embodied sense of what boundaries and consent look like. Uh, Now, that workshop that you were describing, that one's a very specific model from an incredible woman called Betty Martin and she works with four very specific forms of touch that we get to again experience in the body how they feel different that there are these four different ways in which we give and receive touch or take and allow touch and they feel quite different they're quite subtle and they feel quite different but they're um they're valuable experiences to feel because from those places of feeling them we can start to get a sense of how they interplay relationally with others. Mm, Amazing. For me, it's vital. It's absolutely vital. It's to teach and do what I do, to run the kinds of things that I do, it has to be weaved into what we're teaching. Otherwise, it's just a chaotic mess, to be honest. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, you mentioned earlier that you run a a mindful self-touch workshop and it's centered around the five erotic pillars. Can you tell us a bit about how that works and what they are?
7: Yeah, they've they, they've been around for for thousands of years. They're they're kind of part of um, tantric philosophy. It's looking at the way in which we can utilise our attention and our awareness, our breath, sound, movement, and touch. Mm-hmm. Usually, when we when we are learning to masturbate, it's done under a kind of shroud of secrecy. Uh, I mean, unless you've had incredible parents that have. You really know, open-minded parents taught you how to how to touch yourself well and how to do movement and sound and you know how to keep your attention focused in your body you know all of this stuff um the likelihood is that you just learned to do a very quick five uh, five knuckle shuffle under the uh. duna and you <laughs> held your breath and you didn't make any sound and you you know you didn't do anything you just got a, and it was gone and over and that was the end of it and then also, you know, with the explosion of um, pornography online and stuff, you know, it's we've really learned to disassociate from our body. Mm. And when we're connecting erotically to ourselves, we're doing it through mediums like fantasy and porn, which disassociates us from our bodies. We don't feel our bodies as much. We don't feel what's going on in it so much until usually we're reaching the particular point of climax. So my workshops are very much about helping people to you know, you're hearing me again kind of come into their bodies. This whole practice is really about embodiment. And mm-hmm. when when your attention's in your body, you're able to start to feel and see what happens when you bring in particular movements, when you start to make particular types of breathing, whether it's a up-regulating breath or a down-regulating breath, what happens when you start to create different sounds in the body, what different touch on the body, on the genitals starts to create... And so it's a really um, interesting way of kind of starting to look at your body as if it's a, an instrument that you're beginning to learn to play differently.
6: Totally. I could only imagine looking back on starting off with the Dolly Sealed section. Yeah, holding mm. my breath, <laughs> <laughs> you know, doing some like very, won't go into detail in this interview, things to myself and and sort of unwiring that thought around it because it just continues throughout the rest of your life if, if mm. that's how you begin sort of discovering your body. And,
7: and I mean, our, body, our sexual energy and our sexual bodies, they're, they're a life force, right? you know I mean, they are a life force. It, it has the capacity to create life. And so it's, it's an incredibly powerful experience that we have so sadly in our cultures shut down and shamed and restricted and contracted around, the more that we can breathe a bit more life and space and air into that, and allow some freedom, you know, the freedom of being in a room of men naked, all exploring their bodies together in various ways, exploring the all of the five um, pillars, whilst at the same time, enjoying and getting aroused by what's happening in the room and the men in the room. And so there's a there's this beautiful shift that can happen around some of that shame or some of those feelings that we've grown up with around our bodies and what's allowed and what's not allowed. Mm.
6: As I
1: said earlier, I've seen your events pop up on Facebook before and I have often like really looked into it, going and that sort of thing. But the idea for me of being naked around other people is just beyond something that I couldn't do. You know, I, I've never been to a nudist beach. I get nervous wearing anything. Shorter than like you know knee length board shorts at the beach, um and I think that's probably to do with the fact that we do live in a severe body shaming culture. What would you say to people who may feel insecure or too vulnerable in a nude environment
7: i guess I guess it's people's intentions right i mean if 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 your intention is to want to go to some of these things but that there's this real um obstacle that's in the way, then it may be about seeking out support more on a one to one level so that you can start to look at some of what's going on in a, in an environment that isn't so triggering that you have to kind of disappear out of yourself. That's not going to be helpful. So I think it's about trying to sort of grade what's enough of a push to be able to help you grow and and change some of those issues that might be there for you or those obstacles that might be there for you so that you you're not jumping into an environment that's just going to freak you out so much that you never mm. go back again so initially i'd probably say you know with with um, what you're describing it's you know there's something about maybe going to see a sexological body worker um a very very good sex worker a, a therapist counselor's anyone who understands this area of work um in regards to what naked man runs and what we do some of my workshops are not naked, they'll be clothing optional. And so it allows the disrobing of our clothes in and of itself becomes our consent and our boundary. So we can choose which item of clothing we can take off and we can choose when we put it back on again. Just because we remove it doesn't mean it has to stay off, we can put it back again. And so that, that's one way of helping and supporting people to kind of shift into that space where there's a bit more comfort. Another thing that we're going to be doing soon in Melbourne, we're hoping to run a two-day event where we'll have a couple of spaces open running different workshops, but one of the workshop spaces will be naked and the other workshop space will be clothing optional. So gives people an opportunity to be able to choose and grade themselves into the spaces. This was yeah. actually brought to my attention, particularly by a couple of trans men that came to our spaces who were very fucking brave. Um, but one of the things that they said was, you know, that there's, they, they, they uh, informed me was just being able to have a stepping stone into that naked space by maybe having a space where you can choose a little bit more what you on and what you take off.
6: Mm. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the feedback from trans men because you do welcome all men at your events Mm -hmm. Um, have you found the trans community in particular getting something from the event that you hadn't anticipated before or a different experience
7: i think we've still got a lot of work to do uh, in creating an environment where trans men feel able to make the move into coming to some of our events the men that have come have um, for the most part had some amazing experiences I think the, the feedback that I've received is that there's a, an immense sense of acceptance that real kind of sense of belonging and brotherhood uh, a feeling of stepping into a community that felt a little bit on the outside and they didn't quite know how to get in but you know, trans men are going to get discriminated against everywhere in the world. And that also unfortunately happens in our spaces. Uh, we just have to attempt to attend to it as and when we see it and as and when it comes up. Part of, I see is happening right now is a, an educating of people around trans issues and just trans people in general. And so I think it's, that that's as much a part of what's happening at, at Naked Man. And that was one of the reasons why, you know, one of the things that um, one of the guys said to me was, it's one thing for a cis man to be naked. It's a whole completely different thing for a trans man mm. to be naked. Yeah. You know, revealing their genitals in a space where everybody else has a penis, it can be quite a, quite a traumatizing experience. Mm. And so mm. uh, the trans men that have come to our, uh, come to our spaces, the, the courage... Uh, has brought me to tears on occasion when we've been able to sit down and like when they've been able to share with me kind of what it's been like but also I think what the what they've gone away with has been in line with that courage and risk that they took but but without a doubt there's still a need for work to be done there's going to be discrimination everywhere whether it's age Size, colour, race, gender, it's, it's its all there and, of course, it's there even in our community so it needs to be attended to and worked with when we're there. Mm.
6: Beautifully honest response. Thank you very mm. much, Kurt. And another question that I think is probably on quite a few people's minds talking about this is uh, do people have sex at your events?
7: Uh-huh. Everybody's mm. going to have a very different a very different answer you know it's a really mixed question because people come along and they say is there sex and i'm like well i don't know what your definition of sex is yeah if you're asking me are people gonna have oral sex and are people gonna um have anal sex or uh, uh, penetrative sex during during our workshops no they're not Mm -hmm. um on the camps are people gonna have sex outside of the workshops? uh duh yeah <laughs> put 200 horny men together for four days what do you think yeah.
6: Yeah. no it does make sense because we we've spoken about this on the show as well what people mm. have different understandings of what is a sexual engagement and what isn't yeah. um
7: that's right that's right i mean you know we've all we've we've all heard um our parents you know talk about heavy petting you know, it's like, yes. heavy, yeah, yeah, yeah. when I actually worked out what heavy petting was, it was giving someone a blowjob in the back of a car. It's like, oh, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it ended up being something a whole lot more than what yeah. the, uh, the term actually meant. And so for, uh, you know, my parents' generation, heavy petting wasn't sex, you know, penetrative sex. That was sex.
5: Mm,
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
7: People's views are so different on what, on what sex is.
1: Well, Speaking of the broad spectrum of of sex and and sexuality, Naked Man defines itself as being a proud part of the powerful sex-positive movement that's emerged, Mm. especially, well, it's been emerging for decades, but but especially over the last few years. Um, How do you see the sex-positive movement tracking at the moment? (laughs) (laughs) We're
7: up against it at the moment. Yeah, look, we are without, you know, you can't talk about a a sex-positive movement without... It being political, and you know we're we've got right wing governments all over the place, and you got Facebook that literally I cannot use certain words. I can't. I've mm. been banned so many times for showing a nipple or someone's bum, but it's absolutely okay to show things being killed, beaten up, yeah. tortured. Like that's okay. Yeah, we're really up against it. We're up. You know the 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 movement to continue to shame, restrict, eradicate, really, this movement is very strong. Mm. I'm just thankful that there are some really incredible humans around the world that are pioneers in this stuff and really fighting hard to keep the different trainings going and the things available. But the other part of it that's really important is that people support it because without people's support, in attending these things and promoting these things and telling their friends about these things, they unfortunately can't survive. You know, there's yeah. so many, there's so many uh, organizations out there, including Naked Man at times, you know, sometimes my workshops sell out in the blink of an eye. Other times I have to cancel them because, because, uh, because no one's come. So
6: mm. like sort of as a side to that, do you view the recent OnlyFans movement that, you know, my Twitter feed is 90% people promoting their OnlyFans content, part mm. of the sex positive movement, because often they are um, people that don't fit generic body types as well. I've I've seen a very diverse bunch of people doing sex positive work through OnlyFans and then monetizing and, and sort of creating their own income stream through it. And it feels like a really sex positive thing, because people are sharing their bodies, and they're in complete control of the content and, and it, it kind of makes me feel really happy to see different body types as well being portrayed. Look,
7: I, I think like anything and like any industry or any movement, there's people within it who have a very clear and ethical understanding and intention of what they're doing. And they, there's a consciousness, whether that's I'm consciously going to promote various bodies as a way to challenge what i see as a destructive or damaging majority and so in that respect i think any platform any medium that works from a position of kind of trying to challenge or align around difference is really valuable there's just you know in in every industry there's 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 good and bad you know in the porn industry there's some incredible porn out there there's some amazing ethical clever porn you know and yeah. there's, there's horribly abusive and really disconnected porn so you know it's it's there with everything I see it in tantra I see it in 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 men's work I see it all over the place. Thank you for...
6: Sorry, it just sort of has been on my mind. In isolation, I've been looking at a lot of naked buddies. Uh, so, um, Kurt, thank you so much for chatting with us about Naked Man. Uh, we generally... Fantastic. Yeah, we generally end our interviews with a song. So, I think Tom's written a little ditty that it,
5: <laughs> just don't say
6: little ditty in this
1: conversation
6: <laughs> <laughs> there were so many penis puns as we were talking through this thing I was
1: like come on I was I'm so impressed that you managed to keep your lips closed I know I
6: was like class it up Luke class it up you just met this person but um, thank you so much again for chatting how can um, our listeners who may be interested in events
7: or workshops find out more information yeah just go to our website it's um, NMan uh dot au. amazing thanks so much kurt uh look such a such a pleasure i've really enjoyed this and i'm i'm really sad to hear that you guys are going oh Oh. bless you i know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well look you've been a you know you've you've just done some incredible work so you should be very proud oh thanks so much kurt that's really lovely
5: Well, that is it for this episode. Thank you all for joining us this evening. It's been lovely. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who subscribes to our Patreon, our
6: patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will still be doing after shows up until the uh, hiatus.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and, and we're going to do a, a live video at the very end.
6: Oh, yeah, a little live stream. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a completely naked, <laughs> <and> sponsored by <laughs> Naked
7: Men. <laughs>
5: we'll see you there. Bye. Bye. Bye.